0: Hello, and welcome to the Marysville Journal-Tribune podcast. My name is Michael Williamson, and I'm here today with...
1: Mac Cordell,
0: reporter.
2: Kayleen Petrovia, reporter. Ali Lanasa, reporter.
3: And Chad Williamson, managing editor.
0: All right, so today we're going to talk about the top 10 stories of 2021. Now, we mentioned that we were going to do this a couple of weeks ago. We're going to go ahead and go back today and do the the top 10 stories of 2021. kind of a difficult list to put together this year. I mean, last year, obviously, COVID was a big story, um, you know, and how the pandemic basically affects many different things. And that's going to be very similar this year, but putting it together was not as easy, um, given the fact that a lot of these stories are just kind of ongoing conversations that uh, kind of going on in the community. So um, we're, going to put, we're going to first talk about the process of putting the stories together, I'll go into a little bit of um, the stories that almost made the list. Uh, and then kind of get into it from there uh, And then what we're gonna actually going to do We're going to we're actually going to put a pin at the end of this conversation And then continue this conversation next week So we'll do kind of the first half And the, the conversation around the process Or at least the first couple stories uh, And then next week we'll pick it up And do kind of the next couple of stories And then, and then obviously finish off the, the top five stories of the year So, so where do you guys want to begin?
3: Probably the process is a fine way to start It was generally when we do when we look back at the year just to save time we uh, you know having three four five of us working on it at once and we'll all take certain segments of the year and go through and read headlines and stories and just kind of refresh our memory and uh, jot down a lot of headlines and then we talk about them. we can generally see the top ten stories kind of emerge you know as we talk about them now this year because everybody else in the newsroom was working on Stories for the Progress Edition that's gonna be coming out later this month. I, I did most of it over the course of like a week, and one of the first jobs I ever did at this newspaper 30 years ago was compile stuff for the top 10 story. So I've worked on a lot of these, and it's never it was never like it was this year. I, I had to write down, in a lot of years, every month, as I go through month by month, I'll say you start with last January, and I'll write down maybe 10 stories for the month that I think might be worthy of top 10 stories or some inclusion somehow. And I'll bet I was writing down 30 things this year just because nothing stuck out. And so many things this year were ongoing things, whether it was COVID or whether it was Jerome's growth or, you know, all of these things. And you know even even things that didn't quite make the list like the richwood opera house we covered all year long which is what a newspaper does but i think a lot of times people think of news they think of a shooting a fire you know something like that you know some some big project that's coming to town but it, this year, we were. I was writing down so many things. I had, what did I have on my hand for you guys to look at? Five or six sheets mm-hmm. yeah. of headlines. And I think you guys saw kind of what I was looking at when I gave you those sheets, is that, man, it's strings of stories. It's not a story.
1: When I was thinking about this, like I said, that this year's news unfolded. It didn't happen. That's a good way to put it. Usually there is this one singular thing that happens, a shooting, a trial, a an event and this was there was no singular event it was just news that continued to evolve and and unfold as opposed to just happening. The old marathon
3: versus a sprint analogy it just waves of it kept coming you know there were nothing I was writing down I don't think on those lists was you know irrelevant but it was just pieces of a whole it was it was a really interesting year you know I mean We'll talk about it later, but Kayleen covered Jerome Township, and we probably had two stories a week out of Jerome Township from different things that happened, whether it was meetings, lawsuits, referendums, you know. What's going on down in Jerome Township stretches into so many things, you know, whether it's county revenue, the elections that we had, you know. Lawsuits, you know, there's there's so many things that that growth in Jerome Township brought to the table this year that, you know, it was a it was a really big piece, and of course, COVID was still hanging around. I was looking at at least four of the top ten things had a COVID flavor to them, even though I think when you think about news at this point, I think people are kind of getting tired of hearing about COVID, and I was trying to be mindful of that, but you you can't ignore the impact it had on the last year so
1: when you're looking back it, it's going to be in there. Do you want to circle back and kind of kind give us how, again, what the, the process for selecting the top Yeah, 2010? so
3: I was glad we had time the one morning uh, a couple of weeks ago to sit down and look at the list I compiled of all the years kind of ideas and then we discussed it and I was happy by the end I think we all we all kind of had a similar vision of basically we vote. We we create a ballot and and we vote. We narrow down the year's news to I don't even know how many we had, maybe fifteen or probably twenty uh, stories or story themes uh series and we vote on those as a newsroom and Basically, whatever story gets the most points becomes the top story of the year, and it and it and it whittles down from there. And what we found this year was the the top five stories were pretty consistent. They were on most people's uh, ballots, and they uh, they tended to gather higher point totals on everybody's ballot. The bottom five stories were all over the place. Um, I think I wrote, we wrote in that story that there were in the six through ten spots, there were another six stories that easily could have jumped in there. You know, they were right on the cusp, whereas if one person had valued them a little higher or whatever, they could have easily uh, jumped into that
1: position. We kind of had talked about it, as you vote, there's always a little bit of a bias because you say, hey, I covered this, so it was more important to me, and how do you look at other people's stories and and what is important and and you look at when you vote, do you say, hey, this was the most newsworthy thing or was this the most sensational thing or, you know, how how do you balance, hey, this impacted everybody a little bit or hey, this impacted one person, but it impacted them a lot. And you look at, you know, other people's stories and you say, hey, how do I value that? Uh, but this, when you look at the school struggles, all four of us in this room covered the schools and their struggle with how do you deal with, how do you deal with COVID? Mm-hmm. Um, so those that, are, I think, are I think those do? are
3: the easier ones. And I think that's what you see up at the top. Mm-hmm. The, the struggle becomes, you know, with like Alec covering Richwood and the Opera House and, and how, you know, how does that factor in for, for us voting? And I know I told you guys last yeah. year, I covered North Lewisburg and they created a police department last year, you mm-hmm. know, to help with some of the problems they had. And I thought, in North Lewisburg, that was a really big deal. And it's very uncommon. I mean, villages don't just create their own police departments out of nowhere very often. So I thought that might have a shot and it just got trounced. It wasn't anywhere mm-hmm. near the top ten because it's an outlier village, you know, and I think I think Richwood kind of suffers from that too. I know when we voted we had, you know, we have the members of the sports department vote also. We also have our ownership vote and i think sometimes there there is a tendency to lean to the stuff that's more centrally located more marysville and maybe Mm -hmm. whole county or marysville centric whereas richwood and you know whether it be plain city or north lewisburg but you know one difference in that this year is that jerome could not be ignored right Mm -hmm. jerome is definitely on the list because you know that was that's just
1: a hotbed for news right now mm-hmm. and, and i covered rich or I covered uh, jerome and plain city for well almost 20 years before i got here so like i i'm very well i'm not covering it anymore i read kayleen stuff and, and enjoy reading Kayleen stuff because i'm very invested in well and it is what local
3: newspapers it is what you wish now maybe not the bickering aspect of it but you want local people involved in their government Taking some ownership now, maybe not completely steamrolling everything that happens. You know, you can't you can't rule. The mass can't rule. You have to have leaders, and you're kind of seeing some of that down there. I mean, it's 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 a representative democracy, and down there right now, it's kind of a it's kind of a uh, I don't know what you would I, even call. I'm glad Kayleen's
1: covering
0: it, not Mac. Yeah, <laughs> it's uh.
1: But I anyway. think something
4: that kind of pushed Jerome up to, I know we'll go into depth what each of the top 10 stories were. But I think Jerome maybe had the benefit that it was able to be grouped as just chaos in Jerome. <laughs> and so I think maybe it didn't have as much of a chance if it was Jerome works with Union County Sheriff's Office on PSO contract. Right. But the fact that so many things happened at once in Jerome and we were able to just say, Here's a category to vote on, I think pushed it up a little bit, too, because to go towards everything happening in Richwood as far as the Opera House or even the Joint Sewer District or what you mentioned, Chad, with North Lewisburg last year. I mean, Plain City not making city status on the census seemed like a huge deal to me covering Plain City and the amount of time that they put into it. And that was right on the outskirts of making the top ten. But because it wasn't, Plain City doesn't make city status and these 10 other things happen yeah. in Plain City, it maybe didn't have the push that Jerome had this year. And I think
3: it was, I think it was because when I think about Plain City's year, I wouldn't describe it as chaos. And not tumultuous.
4: Right. No, it That's was exactly right. It was progress. And I think there's been obviously a ton of progress in Jerome too, but Jerome has been much more of a roller coaster of public opinion i would say (laughs) and i think there are a lot of very strong opinions in jerome township which like chad said is great that people are very invested on what's happening in jerome and i think that's the same in plain city people are invested there too but there isn't so much contention right now
1: it feels like they're invested but in plain city they're all invested in walking the same direction whereas in in jerome township they're invested and they're all yanking yeah they're, yanking they're hard they're, but in a variety of different, different heads, yeah. Yeah. they're, they're yeah. really mm-hmm. that's that's the issue there's some residents i think in plain
3: city that maybe are trying to slow some things down but it's not the organized group that's down in jerome and and that's really you know that's that filters into everything you're talking about here again whether mm-hmm. it be the election whether it be the pso contracts even i think you know it's in with that There's just a lot of things involved in that. And is that with a lot of these, Mm -hmm. you know, some of these things
2: and- For me, it was hard to vote because I've only been here for half the year. And so the top five were a little more obvious because although they were ongoing, a lot of things happened in those top five stories while I was here towards the end of the year in 2021. But, um, the, like Chad was saying, the six through 10 of the lower half, um, were not as obvious to me. And I wasn't really sure which direction to go because I wasn't here to kind of have those discussions in the newsroom. Um, so that definitely shows the aspect of like how our voting played into this and like our experience. And, um, my Role I do a lot more coverage of Richwood than Central, so it was harder for me to like think about what um, are those top stories. But that
3: but that fresh eye idea mm-hmm. is not a bad thing either because I, well, it was one of these other podcasts probably about the roundabouts where Kaeling you mentioned that somebody from out of town that had never been here went to five points mm-hmm. and was like, what in the heck is this thing? Whereas everybody else from here is just like, yeah, they know what it is, but they don't even think about it anymore. I think sometimes, you know, looking at walking into a town or community or county with fresh eyes, you know, maybe something we don't think of as a big deal is like, ah, the mm-hmm. county's always setting a record for revenue right. and, and you're like, well, that's great. That's a big deal. Well, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it, it does kind of back you out of that lull you can be in of some of these news currents mm-hmm. that are kind of there every year
4: and i think some of us probably even experience that just in our occupation as well because there are so many things that we cover so regularly that it seems like no big deal it's another story i'm writing about this topic but then there are times that i talk to my roommate or friends and i'm they ask what i'm writing about and i say oh just want this one thing and they're like wait that's kind of crazy like explain <laughs> more about that to me so i think it is a benefit too for you Allie to come in a little bit later in the things that really stick out to you if you weren't even here during it it's like well that must have been a pretty interesting thing you know
3: mm-hmm. well maybe we always touch on some of the things or maybe start with some of the things that fell outside the top 10 just so that people kind of see some of the other uh, things that were in there Um, You have that story. I've got the list. Yeah, I I have the
4: outside the top Mm -hmm. 10, too, so Mm -hmm. I can list some of those off. And, Chad, maybe you can give some context to how close things fell. Mm -hmm. I know we've mentioned this before, Allie's coverage of the Richwood Opera House and their revitalization efforts was close to making the top 10. Um, There's also something that Mac and Chad kind of helped categorize as the changing of the guard in local Mm -hmm. law enforcement and the law community um, Marysville police chief Floyd golden retired municipal court judge Mike Gris- Grigsby as well. Municipal court magistrate, Dan Barons. So all of those kind of switched
3: over. There that was very close. That was very close actually to get it. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
4: And I think that's another one of those things that it was maybe if just one of them, if chief golden had retired, it might've fallen by the wayside this year. But the fact that so many happened in a trend made it seem mm-hmm. more important to me. Mm-hmm. Um, local ties to the Capitol insurrection. I think that was something that I kind of forgot (laughs) happened this year.
3: Yeah, I I did too. Like, that's one of those things that if we had voted on that thing two weeks later when the anniversary of the insurrection, like Mm -hmm. now when they're talking about it again, that might've bumped up a little bit in some people's heads Mm -hmm. because you started, I know since we voted, you started seeing a lot more of that footage again. And while I'll say this, you know, and one of those things was City Councilman Aaron Carpenter, attending the rally. Uh, there's there's zero indication that he did anything up at the Capitol or anything like that. He was just there mm-hmm. and spoke about it and, and kind of, he was part of the story locally just because he was there and he saw mm-hmm. it. Now, Woodstock, which yes. is a little outside the county, apparently had some members of a kind of a localized, I don't know if you want to, they're full-blown militia, but they were a motivated group and they kind of hatched a plan to go there and
4: mm-hmm. and that you know, was something that national um, outlets wrote about right. as well and that was a- absolutely something interesting to see tiny little woodstock which to me i kind of think of as part of the triad community being labeled as part of this thing that happened that was huge for our country yeah, i remember
3: when that that we didn't break that story no. we heard about it and i'm like oh my goodness like but it's because, like the FBI thing, was rolled into Woodstock and doubled the population of the town. That came, yeah, <laughs> that came out of
1: federal paperwork. Obviously, we don't, we can't cover the federal courthouse the way that other media outlets do. So when something comes out in federal court, we don't see it the way that the way that they do. That, for me, was the, the story that I was a little bit surprised. Did not make the top 10. Yeah. Um, and maybe it's because I cover Marysville. Uh, but when you added, you know, Councilman Carpenter being there, and then City Council's response, where yeah. they looked and, hey, do we want to censure him? Do we want to oust him? Um, and ultimately they decided not to do yeah. anything but to look at what is the process. And they were, rea- they were reacting, correct,
3: Mac, to some citizen complaints. Yes i think is what prompt they didn't just say well he shouldn't have gone there and they but they got some citizen complaints and then they kind of started going down that road
1: yeah there were several citizens that came forward at council meetings and said hey we don't want him on our council representing our city any longer and so um they looked at first should we should we deal with councilman carpenter and then hey even if we wanted to we don't really have a process in place so they looked at what if we wanted to, how would we do this? And so um, for me, that had some impact beyond just this one mm-hmm. singular event. Mm-hmm.
4: Um, other ones that almost made the top 10, um, we mentioned Plain City failing to reach city status after the census. Kind of surprising, their 2020 census numbers indicated that the Plain City population. Is lower than the 2010 census, which I know a lot of people do not believe in the validity <laughs> of that. It it seems very hard to believe.
3: It, there's so no there's, true, there's no way. There's no way it's true. It's <laughs> just it's a it's a paperwork thing. It's and the, there
4: was a council member who outright said the numbers are wrong, and yeah. that is the general sentiment. But, but Plain have, City spent over a year right. creating a charter commission, getting a charter on the ballot. I mean, residents, council members. Plain City administration spent countless hours working on the charter for the village and thankfully the charter was designed almost as a backup even if they remained a village that the charter would still be effective but it was quite a shock to most people and especially with the 2020 census delays it took a long time for them to find out that they didn't reach the status they were hoping for. So of course from my perspective covering Plain City it seems like something that really covered Village government throughout this past year.
1: That was surprising a little bit to me. Again, ten years ago when I was covering Plain City, they were absolutely convinced that the 2010 census, and they went through a lot of this process in 2009, looking at, hey, we're going to be a city. What do we need to do? How do we get all of our ducks in a row in preparation for this? And they were, huh? You know, in, in 2010 when the census came out, they were like, huh, it's hard to believe we didn't, we weren't a city, but I guess. And then. Kind of you saw the same conversation but maybe a little bit more aggressive this time because you can't drive through plain city and think plain city smaller than it was mm-hmm. 10 years ago i mean there's just and no way to do that and it's not just a title
3: i mean it would have meant a lot to that village outside of their yes their and charter. they have talked about the
4: financial benefits that it would have garnered for them as far as grants or government assistance and things like that and even just the structure of their government being a city meant something to them so it wasn't just we're plain city we want to actually be a city so i think that was interesting news to me especially because it came as such a surprise it wasn't a reach to think that they would have reached this status
1: plain city 10 years ago is really the the reason i figured out things about city versus a, a village because i didn't coming from Pennsylvania, there's no real distinction. You can be a town or a borough or a hamlet or whatever you choose to be, there's no designation based on size. Uh, where in Ohio, you have villages and you have cities. And I didn't realize there was a difference until Plain City 10 years ago started to, to line up, mm-hmm. hey, we're going to be a city versus a village. Mm-hmm.
4: And I think the work that they've done to lay the groundwork for that will pay off for them, but. It'll pay off in 2030 as opposed to last year. Or
3: they're they're looking at the possibility of once things settle down with COVID, kind mm-hmm. of the and hopefully the anti-government sentiment that's around mm-hmm. right now, that maybe they, yeah, they go forward with the process. Right? Mm-hmm.
4: There's kind of an interesting hiccup that their law director pointed out to them that it's any federal census can dictate your population. So it doesn't have to be the one that happens every decade that we kind of think of as the 2000, 2010, 2020, they can actually contract with the federal government to carry out a census and that can lay out whether they're a city or a village. So they've considered potentially doing that once some of the developments that are underway are completed because that will obviously bump the population by quite a bit. And right now they're within a thousand individuals of becoming a city. So when you think of all the development that's happening in that area, that's really not that many housing developments going in to reach that status. So they may pursue that in the future, but they haven't decided yet. Their council president at one point said that their move right now is to sit and wait. So that's the direction that they're taking while things are so nebulous. Um, the next one is more in max coverage area what almost made the top 10 and that's the building changes in uptown Marysville
1: mm. yeah that one there were just again nothing spectacular but you look at you know the the expansion at Leon you think of the lamplighter building the construction of the um, the Sherman Williams building and in my head I noticed it's a sh-
4: Sherwin <laughs> yeah, well, that.
1: Sherman. <laughs> Sherman.
4: I just noticed
3: was going by the other day and I, if I'm wrong but it looked like they're putting siding up on that building mm-hmm.
1: which I thought Seems was funny, funny, funny for a paint store like oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know that's what it looked like to me maybe, maybe in the city guidelines he, uh, that you, have to, you have to put siding up but yeah that lamplighter and half
3: pint those were future potential although the, yeah. the glass shop half pint we don't know what's going on with that because that should have been underway by now. Mm-hmm. All of a sudden, kind of the half plant expansion over into the former glass. Right. Um, with the food um, Gates truck. Brothers. The Gates Brothers, yes. Yeah. So. And I had
1: put it mentally, I had put the potential of a Sheets in with the expansion of buildings in the uptown. And mm-hmm. when we separated that out, that maybe pushed those other things off because the Sheets was. I see that is a little more different. I see. Mm-hmm.
3: I see Sheet, I see correcting five points as the story there, and Sheet's being the catalyst. Right. That, honestly. Um,
4: then we had another expansion at the Union County Fairgrounds, and mm. Max covered that pretty extensively as well.
1: Yeah, that's obviously a lot of money, and, and the they're building, they've already built a cattle barn. They're going to build an expo center, and that expo center um, has great potential, I think, for the county because it would be the largest kind of event venue and that's something that that they've talked about needing people in the community have talked about needing for you know as long as i've been here uh this need to have something that bigger and allows for alcohol sales um, and they've they've asked the city and they asked the city i believe for two hundred and fifty thousand dollars. and i think the city has um at least informally made a commitment to support that but i don't know that they've given a number they asked the county for a million dollars, and I don't know. You know, they have not committed to that either, um, but they have generated a lot of money already in, in private donations. So, mm-hmm.
4: another story about more growth um, that Chad's covered is growth at Memorial
3: Health. That's the one. I think <laughs> you know they joined in with the James Cancer Center. I think they just they just opened another new service line, and I this is my terrible. I should have brought that note in here but they just to start the year opened up another service line over there i can't remember what it is but i think that's another one of those things where i don't think i voted in the top 10 on my own because i cover memorial hospital and they keep growing for a small independent county hospital you know they i know for a long time they were having 10 percent revenue growth every year which is a lot for considering we're on the outside of a metro area, now they have joined in with Ohio State to help kind of fend off Ohio Health or any other network. But I think it's one of those things that they just, in my eyes, they just keep chugging along because they know how to do things, right? And they they grow because they know how to grow. And mm-hmm. I didn't see it as a massive deal, but it is. I mean, it's mm-hmm. great for the it's great for the community to have that
1: asset. I ranked that in the bottom half of my top 10 because I, I think what that means for the community while it isn't, you know, this big shiny you know, all the time thing, it is if you need if you need quality health care. Coming from Madison County, I recognize, you know, that's just Madison Health, while they've made improvements, is not anything close to what Memorial Health is and, and what I would want from a community healthcare provider. So
4: And I think there were small stories in that category that Obviously, I don't cover it, but I recall like Chad writing about new technology there Uh for knee replacements and things like that. And I know that's not the growth of the actual hospital system, but the fact that they're using this innovative and cutting edge technology at Union County's hospital, I think it it says something about their growth as well.
3: And that's a two-stage thing. You get the technology in order to get the doctors and the surgeons that you want who can then lure in the patients. It's, mm-hmm. you know, that was one of the things is one of the, one of the surgeons, they, that, they have that basically robot that helps with knee replacements. And and uh, they had a surgeon that they wanted and he was he was certified on it and he liked to use it and he was an advocate for it. And so that helps as a recruitment tool to get the that is, that is so much of medicine now is, you know, it's not, a, it's not necessarily a shiny building were shiny instruments but that helps get the people in place that you need you know the people that the community likes the people that they trust and that helps that helps that facility keep moving forward
4: and then the last story we had that was categorized as just outside the top 10 was maybe one of the only ones that was just an individual event as opposed to a trend and that was the insane livestock sale this past year that would, grossed six hundred sixty thousand dollars, and then forty thousand dollars for the grand champion steer. I would
3: I would argue the only truly good news story on its own in the list. Yeah, you know whether it's solar farm or housing growth or whatever, you, they have positive spins or they're mm-hmm. they're newsy. But in terms of just a feel good featurey event again another 30 years of it i've never seen a livestock sale like that you know the grand champion steer was a was apparently a once in a lifetime animal that thing had just been winning mm-hmm. contests i think like
2: 17 shows it, was, it had been yeah, in yeah
3: it was something like that mm-hmm. all over the country mm-hmm. not, not just around on. Mm-hmm. um and it was clear the livestock community knew that and they were going to reward because that was going to be the last show this show is the last show and they were going to reward the animal locally. And essentially, I think, market mm-hmm. in time. You know, this was the time we had that animal here. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and, and they... Likely they didn't feel like much of a reward to the animal. Well, you know, <laughs> it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, he goes out on top. And, and nice. uh, but it was clear, sometimes with some of the animals, the livestock sale, the, the bidding is not quite as organic as maybe people at home think it is. And it was clear that number was gonna to get to four was gonna be forty thousand. Mm-hmm. A lot of people. If you were there to take the photo, like mm-hmm. Al and I were, there were a lot of people in that photo. And I um,
4: Mac and I were there earlier in the day too, and I remember like just again and again consulting with Mac between taking a photo and one person writing down the names of the people saying, Was that one a record? Yep, that one was a record. And it was like mm-hmm. by far more common to say, oh no, this one actually wasn't a record. It right. was like every animal that we took a photo of was a yeah. new record almost and, right. and
3: coming in a year code when a lot of those people's advertising budgets you know because buying animals livestock sales mm-hmm. and advertising
4: mm-hmm.
3: you know endeavor for most of these things and so i'm sure their bank accounts had been hurt a little bit but they mm-hmm. still came out to the fair and spent money like that mm-hmm. and it you know and when Allie and i were there there was a there was a girl that uh had gotten diagnosed with it. what was it, a form
2: of cancer? It was a form of cancer. Um, I believe it was lymphoma. And so her brother actually showed her rabbits for her. Um, and that was his first time showing as well. So that was a really sweet story to watch. Um, you know, he was really young going out and taking his first, like, go at it. And that also, it wasn't a record because it wasn't a market. Um, it wasn't in, like, the champion category. But... It's still sold for, I think, over ten thousand. Ten
1: thousand,
3: right at ten thousand, mm-hmm. maybe a little over. And and I can remember. I know there were other things. Mm-hmm. Um, I know one boy was joining the air force, and uh, mm-hmm. I think it was Harley Jackson. Worked. He really such, he does such a good job. Really pushed that aspect, yes. and you know, tugged on the patriotism of some of the buyers. And I can't remember what it sold for, but that boy's mm-hmm. animal like went for a noticeable amount of money. And there were a lot of those where he would tell stories about these kids yeah. and it was it was clear people were going to give and they were going to give you know it's not the animals they're giving to the kids mm-hmm. and it was you know i you know it's a long day out there for us but i for once felt good <laughs> when i went home so yeah. that's why i say i think it was one of the true kind of uplifting things at least mm-hmm. on, on our on yeah you know and i list, didn't almost doing the next <laughs> yeah yeah
4: yeah and i, I can not put
1: good knees up oh. too high <laughs> and <know> all <laughs> do
4: So number 10, I guess we'll start from bottom to top to build the suspense here. Um, (laughs) Number 10 was just the local election in November. And each of us covered aspects of that. There were so many candidates on the ballot and so many people running in different areas, a lot of contested races. So I'm sure everybody has something to contribute to it. But on the morning after the election, the way that we kind of thought of it in the newsroom was, almost a tale of two portions of union county with the central and northern end staying pretty stable re-electing a lot of candidates that were already sitting and then the southern half almost the exact opposite with most incumbents being ousted and almost entirely new boards being seated in a lot of the races so i don't know if there are any specific elections that we want to touch on you
3: know that division was just kind of wild because, you know, our fastest growing sections being Plain City and Jerome. I mean, Marysville's growing, don't get me wrong, but they've been on that path. But they just the residents themselves sent a message they'd had enough. And mm-hmm. that that rolled over even in Jonathan Alders School Board
1: yeah. also. So Jonathan Alder's was less about the growth and more about kind of but, some of the other things. But discontent I, I guess, guess is but what I'm saying. Yeah, if you look at school board races
3: and this was not just Union County, this was all over the country, but there was a there was an anti masking, um, critical race theory, uh, opposition. It was kind of a grassroots thing where there were a lot of organized Groups of candidates like that running. I think our publisher said, Was he out in Colorado and picked up a paper and saw a school board race that just mirrored what Marysville's was? Three candidates running against for three open seats, all essentially one platform. Um, you know, Marysville school board candidates essentially submitted one
4: mm-hmm.
3: statement, one vision statement to mm-hmm. me for the pre election. So and I think Jonathan Alder had some similar candidates. I don't know that yeah. anybody else had that.
1: Uh, Fairbanks had one candidate running, and, and kind of on that the we are not co-parenting. You know, it, a lot of it circled around what is the responsibility of the schools, um, and you know he kind of campaigned on that. But uh, he did he did not he did not win. Uh, but South. South did. Marysville's Marysville's three organized
3: didn't win, but Jonathan Alders essentially did. Like, and whatever you think about, you know, I'm not wild about I guess it's not a single can single issue candidate, but I'm not wild about narrow issue candidates that just kind of come in for a couple of reasons. Um, but it is encouraging to see people running. Mm-hmm. Um, there is a putting your money where your mouth is aspect. There's a lot of people griping on Facebook, well, at least these people are stepping forward and running. Because, you know, it's one thing to lose a bar fight, but it's another thing to get trounced in an election <laughs> and have your name out there, mm-hmm. you know, forever in that. You know, that's that, that's got to be, that's that's a rough thing. Mm-hmm. And, you know, at that level, I applaud anybody Yeah. that, that has, you know.
4: And something I'll say along those lines as well plain city had a very crowded ballot because of the charter changes there was a two-year term and four-year terms that were open and they had a number of candidates running and even those who weren't elected have still been religiously coming to council meetings i know one of them was seated on either the board of zoning appeals or zoning commission so i think that's been really encouraging as well to see people who are just genuine genuinely invested in their local government and even if they weren't seated on council they're still there to help they're still there to learn about the issues so I think the election was contentious in a lot of ways but just seeing people who are motivated to go and do what they feel is best for their community whether you necessarily agree with that or not? I think is something to be proud of in and, our community. And adjacent after the
3: election, Amy Powers on Marysville School Board resigned, and they had, I believe, 19 people mm-hmm. apply to fill that seat. It's all, I know, just from this job, you like to see people take ownership of their government. You hope that maybe they're not, like I said, single issue, double issue, or kind of kind of radicalized. They just truly want what's best for the area. So
1: you know, that's that's always a good time. Mm-hmm. For Marysville City Council there was only one gentleman who, who ran and it was not a uh, who ran against the incumbent it was not a contentious race at all he ran a very good very clean very you know respectful campaign uh, and he did not win but the City Council kind of as a I don't want to say a reward but a recognition uh, that he had put his money where his mouth is you know he they put him on I believe the Planning Commission uh wanted a where hey they do. do that. Yeah, hey
3: you have Jermaine Ferguson ran for for uh, city council and, and he got on them what planning commission and now yes. he's on Marysville School Board, he's who they picked to fill mm-hmm. that seat. Yes. There's definitely a thing there. Hey if you if you're gonna put that effort out, it's it's almost like a you know, it's an internship. Yeah. It shows that you at least have the gumption to, to stand out there in front of the public and put your name in a hat. And, and I'll, you know, those 19 that, that put in for Amy Powers, I, see, I guarantee they're going to be on committees. Mm-hmm. They're going to be, you know, on budget committees or things like that because I'll call those people. Mm-hmm. They, they almost always do.
4: Number nine, I'm just going to say that I only printed out the things that I was going to talk about. Oh, so it's okay. I'll,
2: <laughs> I'll look at Allie's list and throw it to uh, <laughs> Sure. It's family on family violence, which is a trend that we saw from the whole year. And Mac mainly covered that, so I'll let him speak on it.
1: it that was a... I talk about the idea that so many of the crimes that I covered just all blend in together and, and there, there was a little bit of that. Um, when I read down through Chad's list of things that happened, there was a lot of, oh, that did, oh, that did happen. Mm-hmm. I had forgotten all about the the uncle that shot his nephew. I forgot there were any number of stabbing that I had just forgotten about uh, because crime continues to march on. but. Um, I, I think there was this idea we, we were told as families spend more time together as there's kind of this level of angst growing in a community and you can't get out and do certain things and um, you're gonna see family family tensions running high and I think we saw that. So. I saw it within a, compiling the list I saw it within a month. Mm-hmm.
3: Which was why I was able to include those on there and then I said hey I think if you guys don't see it, you don't see it, but when I'm looking at this, it, you know, this is a nephew and an uncle, this is you know, husband and wife, this is, you know, one husband and wife, what, she pistol whipped in. Yeah, she pistol whipped him. Hit him in. with something else. Like, there were a Did lot, of, you there were with, a lot yeah. of things like that, and I I just kept noticing, you know, these are not two random strangers, it's not somebody mm-hmm. broke in a house to steal something and, and beat this guy up, like, it's people that know mm-hmm. each other, and I know that happens, you know, but it seemed like there were some serious violent mm-hmm. crimes that involved mm. families, and just consistently the grand jury indictments mm-hmm. were, were just littered with them, you know. Mac, honestly, right before we came in here to take this thing, took a phone call from somebody disputing the details of it, you know, of a, of a it was a family. That was a, yeah, it was, you know, uh, it was a, living a domestic, yes, yeah. a living girl. So, you know, we were told to expect it, and I think we saw it, and I don't know that it's gonna end, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, it, the lingering effects of COVID. I I don't know. We had a several years ago. We had a youth suicide spike, um, also. And I don't know that they ever did figure out what to attribute that to. I mean, people would have theories. You know, maybe this is just a ramp thing. It's not affiliated with COVID, or maybe it's just another measure of people being fed up. Right. <laughs> and you take it out on who you see, and you see the people in your family. I don't know.
2: And then number eight was um, city and county revenue.
1: It, this one, these were my stories also. And this, it was very, it is what it is. It's every year the county is setting a new rev- record revenue. Um, even in times of COVID, when every other community is kind of pulling back, um, Union County and the city of Marysville are both bringing in significant revenue record revenue and, and largely um, Through sales tax and, and obviously property values are going going through the roof um, I was talking with uh, the city finance director last evening and he said that Historically the city of Marysville has been one of the largest taxpayers in the city for so their employees pay City income tax. Uh, they've been a top ten um, taxpayer, mm-hmm. and this year they weren't because other other industries and other, other businesses are seeing increases, um, and that's a that's a good thing. But it leads to this every year we see record revenue for both the county and the city. And there's a difference.
3: It, it draws that parallel too, as the schools at schools start talking about levy cycles and things like that. The county and city can keep growing exponentially. They can grow as far as they as they grow, whereas school levies aren't like that. And I think some people get confused, and they think, well, city and county are generating all this money, or if my property taxes went up, schools are taking in more money, whereas the schools get capped at a certain dollar amount for levies, and they only generate up to that regardless of how much it grows. So, you know, that's, that's just another... It's an odd thing in the way we choose to fund certain entities but I, I know it's the the bane of the existence of school treasurers is the fact that they can't grow that that property tax levies don't grow with growth in here
1: uh, and i've not seen the i've not seen the numbers for 2021 yet uh but my guess but is this is these numbers are the ones what were the numbers do you remember uh, honestly i don't uh, you know i, I want to say that it was for 2020. Even during a pandemic, they brought in the county brought in three and a half million dollars more than their previous record revenue. So almost, you know, more than ten percent jump in what their record revenue was, and and part of that was was attributed to the property uh, revaluation, mm-hmm. and that was a, a big contributor. But you're going to see record revenue, I think, again this year. That and, and and make no mistake, it's not
3: all going out. This is, this is a story also that we write every year. The county banks a lot of that money. You know, the county has over a year's worth of operating expenses. They're over $20 million, correct? Right. And in, in carry over contingency funds, and that I have no reason to think that they won't be adding to that a little bit this year. So they're putting their money away. I would argue the city of Marysville throws some more of their money back into things, you know, building a, building a water plant a massive water plant right now by the reservoir they're looking at i'm not going to tip what's going to be in the newspaper yet well i suppose by the time this podcast comes out it will be do you want to talk about another thing that that they might they're looking at possibly spending money on well you know
1: they talked about the possibility of a swimming pool renovating the the current pool to make it a um, more of a a quiet pool for adults to do laps and, and a competition pool but creating an aquatics center, um, you know, and, and you know, I don't know where where that would be, but that was the recommendation: was to to build an aquatic center that would have you know a lazy river and slides and um, just you know a zero entry pool and all sorts of all sorts of fun amenities. Um, that's one of the things that the you know this the city would be contributing to, even down to I look at in 2021 when they saw that they had record revenue when they saw they had extra money they put I believe four hundred thousand dollars extra into paving and I don't remember I shouldn't say 400,000 I don't remember the the number but they they increased the amount of money that they had set aside for street paving uh, because they recognized well we have a need and we have revenue so let's They've had they any, dress it. any number of beautification projects kind of in place.
3: And right. To me, I, I appreciate that. Mm-hmm. I appreciate, you know what, if you're going to take that money, at least let me, at least show me some quality of life improvements for the county. And I know they serve different purposes. It's hard for the county to look at quality of life things. But, you know, that's a lot of money that mm-hmm. they sit on uh, over there. And, they could literally run
1: the county for an entire year. Yeah. Uh, not need to tighten their belt and not bring in any revenue. Yeah, they could and run the entire county. The rainy of day funds, like a
3: lot of companies and, and government organizations run on, you know, having a minimum cash balance on hand, whether it be three months, four months, six months, you know, but just a never ending growing rainy day fund is whatever. But I suppose that's not exactly what we're talking about. but. So that's kind of the different mentality though, both boasting record revenue, the city maybe residents seeing a little more bang for that bug that's coming out. So
0: all right, well, let's go ahead and stop it there. We'll put a pen in it for this week and then we'll pick up again next week. finish off these uh, top stories kind of ending with our number one story for 2021. And then after that we'll sort of pick up our normal. Uh, coverage information. So thank you guys for compiling the list for all the good information. Thanks to everyone out there for listening. uh, And as always, we'll see you next week.